features come from a can. They were put, They'll there, put there by, by a man. man. <laughs> All right, let's do it. If I had my little way, I'd buy peaches. Hello and welcome to this, the latest edition of the Ian Prendercast, a Carlton podcast brought to you, as always, by MGA Traffic, your one-stop shop for traffic, transport and waste. Oh, I'd opened the bag of donuts, I'd got the oil simmering away, I was sitting there ready to get them to go and then Robbie Gray said, no, Sean, no, 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 you won't be eating those today. Put them back in the bag, put them back in the freezer, throw the oil away, it's fucking burnt anyway, don't worry about that, because uh, I've got a kick for the testicles for you. Right here and now. What a fucking heartbreaker. What an absolute... It was like Timbo. reminded me of... Uh, but in the worst way, you know, in Major League, when they get really badly beaten, and um, Bob Uecker goes, the Indians drop a heartbreaker 11-2. to two. It was just absolute fucking tragedy. I'm Sean Peter Budge, and I'm joined, as always, by Fabian Guadagnolo, who, for some inexplicable reason, um, is holding some drumsticks. Want to say that I got to? I am. I am. Got the drumsticks. I was drumming along to the uh, the Bazooka Babies, the intro. That's the name of the song. Cast. That's not the band. No, Bazooka Babies is the song. I yep. was drumming along to. Uh, uh, yeah, no, nah, forgotten. What are they called, Sean? It's not important. Um, so you've got the drumsticks, and <laughs> you just look distracted. It looks like we're going to be fighting with you all day to get some focus out of you. But it is good to have you here nonetheless. You convened this emergency session of the pod. We were thinking it was going to be a bit later and you... Need to work. Need to work, so I need to get it done and I need to vent. Very unlike you to be calling for an earlier pod. Yeah, well, I need to work. It's not that I can't work before pod and then do pod or vice versa. Shut up, you're waffling. And we're also joined, of course, by Dr. (laughs) Tim Davis. I just something off my chest, Sean. That's why I wanted to do it earlier. Timbo. Sean, how are you, my friend? Heartbroken man. Yeah, it was one of those ones, wasn't it, where um, you were just we're dissatisfied now. You know, it was it had it had all the hallmarks of a famous victory, and and it felt like we withstood, we'd done just enough, and well, just when we thought we were okay, it ended up becoming a famous victory, Timbo. But for Port Adelaide, just for Port Adelaide, exactly right. So but it was a shame to Fabian. I, if as a Port Adelaide supporter you had the choice of the ball being in one person's hands on the ground, the answer is Robbie Gray. So you sat there and you and you and you knew it. You know, you thought every chance of pushing the ball wide, he'd done it. But he'd done it just before, and in the end, maybe that's what worked against us. But you just sat there and you just couldn't help but think, yep, he's going to rip our heart out and he's going to stomp all over it. And it's what he duly did. I think if nothing else, it, it just really illustrates that in this season of all seasons, how fine the margins are at the top level between everything and nothing, you know, success and failure, four points, and in our case, no points. And, you know, even on Twitter, it's uh, it's been a heated aftermath to the game. And I think it illustrates that there is naturally a frustration when you lose a game of football. But... There are a number of people who are entitled to their passion, and in a lot of ways, I encourage them to be passionate. But you know, be reasonable. We've lost a game yeah. by three points. To, to the side that's on top of the ladder, who the only side that's been able to beat them was Brisbane two weeks ago. Who, if Port's not the best side in the competition, Brisbane is. So we've we've matched it with the big boys today, 
um, and done really, really well, been up against all sorts of um, challenges along the way. And as as Fabian and I chatted before, the siren sounded, we were in front. Well, and this is so, the thing, like success is not a linear. Everyone wants to compare us to, oh, well, look at Brisbane. Brisbane did this. Brisbane didn't do exactly this. Brisbane got in Lockie Neal and Charlie Cameron. Yes, and on the face which are of two bloody good, they're, they're both all Australians. But on the face and, of things, and, and one's the Brownlow favourite. On the face and, of things, and the other one's probably going to win the Coleman Medal. Very good, like full credit to them. Yep, because they identified them, they got them. They actually didn't really pay market value for them. Oh, without a doubt, and I, that's, at, that the, is, at the time, I think they gave about pick thirteen for Charlie Kerno, a uh, Charlie Cameron, and I thought, geez, you might have you might have paid a bit much there, but geez, if we're I mean, obviously, we brought Eddie Betts in at the same time, but if we had the opportunity to be able to give the equivalent of pick 13 and get a, somebody of the quality of Charlie Curnow, I mean, we were talking about giving up pick nine for Tom Papley and potentially getting something back. I mean, you do those sorts of deals now with the way that footy has played in a heartbeat and run as fast as possible afterwards. And that's the point. So, like, So this idea of comparing, oh, they've done this and they've done this and they're there and they're there. Well, our build is not like other teams' builds. What no. we're trying to do, it doesn't. it's not going to take the same amount of time. Today is a disappointing result, but I think that a few people are getting result and performance tied up with one another, and that's that's a little bit frustrating for me. Fabian, last year, this is what I, I can't get over in all the disappointment that's being spewed out on Twitter. Last year, we lose that game at halftime. It's over. Yeah, yeah, agreed. The way Port Adelaide came out in the second quarter, they, they put a gap between us and them that we just can't get, we just can't close. Yeah, and they did that last year. Charlie goes down. What were we down at halftime last year? Might have been front. I thought we were close-ish and then faded late. I always, I, I remember it being the other way around. No, I thought we dropped our bundle and had a big third quarter and came back into it yeah. and then might have even hit the lead and then had a very dissatisfying end where all they I'm, ran all over the top of us. All I remember, Probably because we just ran out of legs. I remember two things from that game. Mitch McGovern poleaxing Zach Butters, oh, someone. which was yeah. magnificent. And yeah. uh, Sam Walsh was awarded a marker, a free kick about 30 metres out, and Paulson played on and missed Ooh, at a really, yeah. really crucial time of the game. Um, no. It was extraordinarily disappointing, and that's the, they're the only two things I really remember about that game, to be honest. But, yeah, as I said, Fabian, last year we would have started all right, not a problem, maybe got the lead we had, yeah. but Port would have knuckled down got stuck in, got out, and then just wiped the floor with us in the second, third quarters, and the game was over. 100%. And I, what I took, what was really encouraging, and take the, the style and the manner in which we did it away, we got off to another poor start. and We're going to talk about that later. But it, it didn't take us a quarter time. It didn't take a coach's address to arrest it. We arrested it ourselves immediately. Yeah. And we haven't done that when we've been in that situation so there's I, I look I thought we 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 did well as far as our, our composure and our understanding and reading of the game execution wise and, and a few other things but you're 100% right we drop our last this time last year we dropped our bundle and put ourselves in an unwinnable position and that's growth that I think that people can be disappointed about the result tonight understandably but there's growth in that over the yep. last couple of years, we've seen it all too often. Games are over very, very early. You know, this year of late, you know, we're making teams work to beat us. If they can beat us, they have to work a lot harder than they've had to in recent years. Um, yep. 
I think Fabian mentioned the start, Tim. I think for me, I wasn't so much fussed about Port's start only because in the cold light of day, they played not with method to get the first three goals. They played with just madness to get the first yeah, three was, goals of the game. It was chaotic. Like there, was, there wasn't a lot of system and structure to what they were doing, but what they were was very – I guess they were disciplined in that they were always playing from in front and they were playing real fast – but they needed, under any of the pressure that we were putting on them, they needed to be clean. They needed to be able to over-possess the football. They had to keep it moving forward. I mean, Bugs kicked a goal, a goal around his body while being pushed by Murphy towards the boundary line. I mean, when, when you sort of think about what you want your players to be doing to be able to make it hard for the opposition to score, we'd done everything right. And he still managed to kick a goal, and you're going, all right, well, okay. Um, you know, Darcy Byrne-Jones was running off the half-back line without anyone countering him early, and he's... He's probably the all-Australian halfback flanker right now, and you're going, you just got to pay this bloke a whole lot more um, respect than what you're doing at the moment. And they'll get a hold of us. We just didn't have the footy. And then the moment... That's the thing, yeah. It, it, we, it, just, it we never had a turned in an instant that all of a sudden we had the footy, we were moving and moving it fast as well, going probably going back the other way because we could counter once they'd sort of, you know, overrun it or, or been dispos- dispossessed. Um and uh, and all of a sudden, you know, our class came to the fore and gone. Yeah, we've got that. We've got that in our armoury as well. But we were kicking easier goals than what they were at the same time. And you thought, okay, we're in the contest. It's good. And then not the game really settled down. It was a bit more of an arm wrestle, wasn't it? Not not since Hawthorne last year we kicked such easy goals. Yeah. So we kicked some and, good ones. And that's why. And what was irritating me a little bit, and I texted you blokes at the time, was David King kept saying. Oh, Port Adelaide just have to make this adjustment to take X away from Carlton. I'm like, yeah, if they make those tweaks, they're taking their offensive power away from themselves as well. As well. And that's what they did. They corrected. We're going to get to that in in chicken salads, but I think that's something that that struck me very early in the game, as much as they had a little bit of tin arsery and they were playing that that chaos ball. um, The thing that struck me was, as the game wore on at times, I wondered how much of it, the result was, or the performance, you know, what was happening on the field, how much of it was down to the no runners from our point of view? We had no runners. We can't go out and correct what's happening. We're still trying to figure out how to play live games of football the way David Teague wants us to play. And to me, there was a bit of a sense of if he could just pick up the phone and tell runner A, get out there and talk to such and such, do things change quicker? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it was a little Without interesting a thing where I sort of thought, oh, I wonder if that's actually kind of a thing for us at the moment. We're, we're battling. When the game turns against us like this, we have to work it out on our own. But because we can't just go such and such, get out there immediately, go and talk to whatever, organise this, we don't have the lever at our immediate disposal. But on the flip side of that, fuck, they hung tough. Yeah, they did. Early they on, did. really early in the game, and then in the second and third quarters, to to really dig in and to be hard to score against, you know, to really keep that port tidal wave at bay when, like we said, in years gone by, it would have just been inside 50 goal, inside 50 score, repeat inside goal. But to actually really keep them at bay and to, to turn a, I think we were, we were a couple of points up at, at quarter time and, and could have been three and four goals down at halftime plus but we're a goal down, and then we're still a goal down at three-quarter time. Then we're able to hit the front, and it's that's what's encouraging. It's I can't, can't stress it enough. Be disappointed with the result, but 
the performance itself, yes, lots to work on and lots to have to address and adjust, but it's not all doom and gloom. And, that, and that's the thing I've got here a note. It's funny that I thought today was a relatively even performance across the board yep. in the sense that it was very difficult to pick out you know, really standout contributors. And it's funny that some people interpret even performances as a sign we're carrying a lot of passengers. And that's not to say there weren't guys today that had down games. But others look at it as a sign of development that we don't need a Superman to drag our asses over the line. We don't need Fev to kick eight goals. We don't need Judd to be Hercules. We don't need, you know, Cripps to be an absolute superhuman to drag our asses over the line. And a win today would have been outstanding. Every win is. But it doesn't mean that every loss is cat- like a catastrophic failure. No, and I, I think, I think Sean, the biggest thing to take away from it was so many Carlton supporters could we, we've seen the tide turning we, we've seen a greater depth of effort we've seen genuine growth in the team and this was the opportunity we'd franked it we had it the wind was in our back pocket we'd, we'd done enough and it's we're there and with 30 seconds to go you thought just got to weather a couple more contests and we're good to go and we were that close we could smell it and and to be denied in the shadows of the post, the way that we were, when when everybody, you know, we're obviously we're not all going to work on Monday and all that sort of stuff, but you just sort of sit there to be able to just sit back and go, yeah, we're, we've taken another step. Was just it, we were desperate just to be able to take that and um, and and run with it, and it was just ripped away from us late. So, and, and you're right, consistency, consistency, and contribution. Like there's there's contribution from almost every single player on the ground. And, and, and But it's at different times. Like last week, everybody stepped up. Everybody played well. We didn't really have too many weak links. And I don't think we had weak links today as such. But, you know, the depth of contribution probably differed. But it was only those that did that little bit more that really stood out. But it, it could have been any one player that was going to be the difference today because that's, that's the way the game got played. I think, uh, Fabian, the, the thing for me coming out of the last couple of weeks is... We find ourselves in the eight last week, which was a bit of a surprise. You know, that was the yeah. old that was the old Clark Griswold. Couldn't be more surprised if I woke up with my head stapled to the carpet tomorrow. But <laughs> Cousin Eddie. The idea that we were three and three, we're in the eight, and all of a sudden people are getting these delusions of, oh, we're finals bound. And you sort of go, hey, yeah, well, just pump the brakes. Just pump the brakes. Yeah. Everyone, well, not everyone, but people were starting to think, we can get through port. Yeah. We've got north the following week. You know, we can actually, you know, we're in the hunt, whereas like, no, we, we can't do that. Just pump the brakes and just take each game as it comes. And if at the end of the year, we find ourselves in the eight, mate, you won't find anyone happier than I, but it's not our objective. I think it's a year. bit ahead of schedule as well. The idea that we've got to make the eight this year. In this year of all years, where once again the margin for error is thinner based on the fewer games, the congested fixture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you'd make the eight, like you said, Fabian, oh, hallelujah, magnificent, let's go. But if yep. we don't, if we don't make the eight, it's not a disaster. No, nothing is a given in this this football at the moment. No. You, you've you've got to be able to work, and you've got to you got to rip it off the opposition at every single opportunity. No one is going to gift you wins at all. I was moved to uh, to put a little twi- uh, poll up on um, Twitter just just by virtue of I suppose a lot of the stuff that was coming through was really kind of glass, really kind of glass half. Uh, Empty. So I put a tweet up and just said, "What are we feeling? How do we, how do we view the result?" And at the time of recording, let me just find it here. Um, how do we assess the performance? Are we glass half full or empty? It's eighty four percent half full. So you go, 
well, that's a bit, you know, chicken chicken uh, soup for the soul. Where you kind of go, thank God, because there was a lot of people. <laughs> chicken on, analogies on this podcast are incredible. That's why. That's why I used it. <laughs> but I sort of thought, oh, thank God, because as I tweeted to someone, it, it, it was it was almost like there are lots of people running a bath and, and walking towards the bathroom with a toaster under their arm because we've lost <laughs> we've lost a port by a couple of points. You're going fucking yeah. Jesus. Come on, everyone, just a bit of perspective. Um, yeah, yeah, my, my immediate, my immediate, I was immediately disappointed. Oh, shut it. Um, but, um, but then the one, once, once the acceptance, you know, it's done and we haven't won, had set in, you've gone, geez, we've performed today and, and we've come up against a side that we, you know, if you're going to get anything against, you have to perform and they'll have walked away and they'll have gone, they're a good side, you know. We had to work for that, and, and they'll, you know, they've won with a bit of tin arsery, no doubt, and a, and, a, and a little bit of an assistance along the way. But at the end of the day, good sides find a way to win games, and that's that's our next step in our evolution is to make sure we get past those games. So yeah. I, I just think people are over honourable losses, are, are, are kind of this game in isolation. I understand it. Like when you, you have to, you know, have a bit of perspective, but people are kind of. Over being that team, People yeah, but this is the problem, the, Fabian. The but switch to be flipped. I'm, I'm not agreeing with. It. I can understand where the emotion comes from. I'm, I had a guy I, on Twitter I, I say that we're dad, the problem. Said, don't ring me. Don't text me. I, I had a guy on Twitter, Fabian, say that we're the problem because oh, we accept mediocrity. Oh, fuck, I'm, not, I'm not accepting it. I'm just you going back. We start publishing. Yeah. We start publishing text messages that I think they'd see. But this is the issue. Yeah. This is not a performance like today, as you said, Fabian, in isolation. Yeah. Is not like when we, you know, kicked. Was it what? Did we not kick a goal in the half, in a half against Frio one night? You know, we rolled up against Ooh, against yeah. the Suns Late one night ago on yeah. a Sunday. We, yeah. we rolled up against the Suns one night and they just blew us away and they were destitute. Yep. Like they were horrendous. And he's thinking, Jesus. What about Christ. the bo- what about the Bongo Cam game? Oh when, my! When, that was the when, Dockers game. I'm pretty sure that was the Dockers game, wasn't it? No, no, Gold Coast. Was no, that was Bongo Gold Coast game. Bongo Cam game because I wasn't there. I was down at uh, and we were down all Phillip Island. We, were we had a good game. We had a good game against Richmond in round one, and we all thought, "Well, we play like that against the Suns, we'll smash them." And we yeah. got absolutely we got our ass handed to us. Oh, that was and, when, that was and, when and we were on fought. the precipice this week, coming up against North next week, who delivered. Don't our get worst ahead of yourself, last, Timbo. Last we're going to talk about that later. I oh, know. I'm just. I I cannot stress this enough. Is I'll, you know, you talk about accepting mediocrity. Timbo, we've got to review tonight's game before we review, before we preview next that. week. Yeah. Right, um, Timbo, Timbo, Sean's politely telling you to shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I could just mute him. Maybe I should just do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, no. So we're going to, we're going to have a bit of a chat about the North thing and that's going to be front and centre, Timbo. It's a point well made. You've just made yes. it about half an hour too early. It's an entree. Um, <laughs> I think that, yeah, that, that's the thing, you know, that that bongo cam game, just for reference, was we were five or six goals down at quarter time to, like, notionally the worst team in the competition at mm. home. And Emily Angwin's, you know, throwing to the bongo cam and stuff like that, and you've got people carrying on. And I think I said... Was it, was think, it Em or Pete Laser? Oh, I don't know. Oh, no. Emily Angwin was the one against the Dockers where I don't know if we kicked a goal for the first half, and she was sort of cajoling us to clap the boys off the field at half time. And I thought, Emily, no. <laughs> Emily, I don't want to tell you to shut the fuck up. Emily, I'm, I'm close. Don't make me mute you, but Jesus. <laughs> um, no, the bongo cam was when we were just awful and they cut to the crowd and they wanted us to play, you know, make-believe bongos. <laughs> I'm thinking, how about a period of silent reflection? 
as we sit here at quarter time. So it certainly wasn't that bad. But the fact that expectation is a little bit higher is itself a sign of growth that we're expecting. You know, we have a reasonable expectation that given what has happened and how the match transpired, we should be winning that. Why yep. didn't we win? Whereas a year ago, 18 months ago, two years ago, you'd be going, we're not getting close to these guys. Yeah. Forget that. Um, before we get into the match sort of chat and chicken salad, chicken shit proper, we want to talk about something that we've happened across in the last week or so, Timbo, called the pineapple. <laughs> and the idea, the pineapple. Yep. the pineapple is replaced in our vernacular, at least it's replaced the rub of the green. The idea that certain teams get the rub of the green. And the pineapple is a theory that Timbo, myself and Fabian have kind of happened across and, and want to present. Yes, I fully ex- put my hand up and say that I can occasionally go hard on the umpires, can be very passionate about their impact on a result. However, the pineapple is the notion that umpires go into a game with an unconscious bias and they're not fixing a match, they're not crooked or anything like that. But the idea before this game, when the ball was bounced, was Port are the better team, Port will probably win this game, they're the better team. So that when the 50-50s start coming and the 50-50s start going one team's way, the idea is that it's the pineapple, is that... They're just expected, oh, they're first to the ball. He doesn't need to do it. Timbo, he doesn't need to hold Paddy Cripps in the contest. They're Port Adelaide. They're top of the ladder. He doesn't need to push Harry Mackay out in the marking contest. He doesn't need to hold Harry. They're Port Adelaide. They're top of the ladder. So the unconscious bias starts coming through that, now oh, Port Adelaide don't need to be doing anything like that. They're the better team. They, no, they wouldn't be doing that. So they start getting the 50-50s. They start getting the ones that you go, geez, that's, is that a free kick? Geez, I'm not sure. So that's the idea of, you know, the pineapple. And what the pineapple represents is the unconscious bias. So we spoke, obviously, jokingly last week that what is the good end of the pineapple? There is no good end of the pineapple. No matter which way that's getting shoved up your butthole, it's not comfortable. So the pineapple, as it represents in terms of Carlton, like we said, is this idea that we just seem to not get the good end of the pineapple as such any week. No matter who we're playing, where we're playing, etc. So, with that in mind, Timbo, do you have anything to say about the umpiring this afternoon? Uh, Sean, I felt the the feeling that I got from the the vibe of the umpiring in the final quarter. It felt like it felt like the umpires were doing their best impression of Cade Simpson running back with the floor of the ball and diving headlong to get a finger on the, the shot for goal from the Bulldogs last week or diving across a Carlton player's feet to be able to affect a smother. They seemed so desperate to be able to impact the result. They were doing that. They were almost fanatical in the way they were giving 50-50 free kicks in the final quarter. And, and, you, you wear one or two, but eventually you sit there and you, as we said, that rub of the green, that, you know, when do we get, when do we stop getting the rough end of the pineapple? It just, and it, and it never turned. It never turned at all. And I, and I think the count at one point was, it must have been seven to two in the final quarter. And at the end of the day, everything being said, when the ball ended up in Robbie Gray's hand at the end, it was just, if he was good enough, they win the game and all power to him for, for kicking it. But it just shouldn't have, it shouldn't have got to that situation. Yeah, you know, we we had a better control of the game and should have been given a greater opportunity to be able to continue using the ball to our own benefit rather than having the umpires just 
breaking down every single foray and saying to Port, have a ball, start again from that position or that position or that position. And it just, it, it just, it was really dissatisfying in the end because it just felt like what was a bloody good game and a bloody good contest was taken out of the players' hands at a lot of in, a, a lot of forays, and that's just disappointing. And that's the pineapple. It's not that that's the pineapple. It's not that they're rigging the game. It's this that that unconscious bias, the trigger, where well, yeah, they're the better team. The better team, they're first to the ball, Tim. Or oh, geez, he was trying to get rid of the ball. There's just a little bit of a trigger there that some umpires you see it. You know, better players get a better go yep. and the like. And, so, and no one, no one has ever ever said or advocated that. The numbers of free kicks have to be even. You know, no, the game will nope. be what the game is. You just umpire it, you see it, and if something jumps out and says, I need to I need to pay a free kick in this instance, you you do what you need to do. But when you're plucking 50-50 free kicks where play on is a perfectly justifiable decision for an umpire to make, just needs to be made more often. I think that there's two the sense of well, it's just before we move on. What frustrates me sometimes is, yes, look, as I said, I go a bit hard on the umpires occasionally and can maybe sometimes use it as a crutch. The idea that they don't influence games is as much a nonsense as somebody yeah. saying they've lost us the game or the like. The idea that the umpires have no impact on a result is bullshit. Yeah. They're the three most important people on the ground because, depending on the way they see a crucial moment, they'll determine they what happens next. They influence. So, yeah. 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 Um, I just think uh, we'll start with the chicken salads, as we want to do. Um, despite all the talk on Twitter, Port are a very good team, to quote Mick Malthouse, you know, a very, very good, <laughs> very football, good side. football side. That was after we lost to Brisbane, who hadn't won a game yet. Brisbane are a very, very good football side. Um, we, we never came up against a shit football side. No, never. Yeah. Well, we never played ourselves. Um, our <laughs> but despite that, yeah, we've been accepting mediocrity, by the way, to that one guy. He says that we're part of the problem, our homemade podcast. Um, Port are a good team. And a big chicken salad for me, Fabian, was that we made them compromise the way they want to play the game. We made them go to plan B. They did not want to play a fast game. They did not want us to be able to slingshot off halfback and score on turnover. Oh, no, someone's joining the pod, impromptu guest. Kelly has just delivered... Kelly's just delivered. Hold on, how do I put this on camera? Hot dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Diggity Thank you, dog. Kel. Shout out to Kel. Um, two, two hot dogs, some chips. They're very thin. Are they sweet potato fries? No, they're just uh, shoe. Sh- sh- can't can't speak with a sh- fry they, in my mouth. A shoestring fry. They look well cooked. Beautiful. Yeah. So the idea, Fabian, is you chow and fill your fat face. Was. We, ma- we made them. We made them go to Plan B. We made them adjust to the way we wanted to play the game because they didn't want a fast game. They didn't want us scoring off their turnovers and slingshotting off half back. Well, they saw what it was, Sean. They saw that if we play this, yeah, we got a couple of goals early on against these bikes, but then they smacked what five, four or five on the bounce. Like we were just, we were electric. So they, they, we forced them to do it. You're right, hundred percent. What were you going to say on that? No, no, I was, I was agreeing with you. Yeah, but it comes back to what I was saying about that. When David King kept saying in the coverage, all Port need to do is X. Yeah, David, they have to do that because if they don't, they're fucked. But by doing that, they're taking away their offensive capabilities. Yeah, they're watering down but, plan A. Yeah. Exactly. If they're not pushing up 
to that severity and giving us all that space at the back, then our midfield is not going to be under the pump. Like the first when they kicked the first three goals, I texted you blokes and said we haven't touched it yet. It's not like we've stuffed anything up. We actually never touched the football for three goals. Yeah. They they do overpossess it though, and I think sometimes I watch them play and I wonder how much of it is actually about creating unnecessary panic in the coach's box where you go, they get the they get the champion data live stats and they're coming through and at one point it was 46 touches to 10 or something. And how much of that is to create a bit of panic where you go, well, yeah, they've had 46 touches to 10, but like they, they could have had 25. Like they are flicking it around, over-possessing the ball. Is it that much of a problem? Then once we actually won the ball, we were more direct we were actually more yeah, we efficient. Were very efficient. And, 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 go, and yeah. I think that was one of our comments from last week. For the number of inside 50s we had last week, we cre- create a lot of goals. Um, so clearly, clearly we have skill and we have ability. And when we get the opportunity, we can cut through oppositions very, very quickly. Um, but credit to, to you know, where it's due. They, they've, they've purposely recruited a fast, dynamic, skillful you know, group of players to be able to play in that style and and hence recruiting somebody like a Charlie Dixon to be the central figure and a real target for that team is, has been really, really key in, in their own evolution and for them to be able to have a crack at winning a premiership because they've certainly got the run and the speed and the skill um, and they work well with one another, but they needed somebody that straightened them up because they were never going to win premierships with Robbie Gray at full forward. So, um, so... You have to play well against them, but you've got to be able to put pressure on them to get the ball back off them. I think that an interesting part for me, Timbo, we'll stay with you, is we spoke about it in the middle of the week and a few people had spoken about it in the aftermath of the, the really impressive attacking display against the Dogs, was we, we haven't really seen a team be as potent forward of centre as the Crows were in 2017 when David Teague was there and he was one of the chief architects of the way they moved the ball forward of centre, the way they played. Of course, he had McGovern and Betts with him there, so that's that's where those relationships came from. In that first quarter, we saw that's what the Crows did in that that 2017. The way we were destroying them off half back, you I couldn't believe it. it was the, the screen, there were just guys in Carlton jumpers on their own, yeah, moving yep. the ball really cleanly, moving the ball to advantage. It was outstanding football to watch. Um, I think that there's something once again to take some heart out of that that. David Teague's only coached 19-odd games or something. Is it, eight, is it 18 or 19 games for us or something? Um, we're actually starting to see... 18. His DNA. He's 9-9. Nine nine. We're starting to see his attacking philosophy actually work. And that's surely that has to be an encouragement. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's, it's, giving us, um, it's giving us results. It's putting us in games. It's playing to our strengths. And it makes it more enjoyable football as well. So um, for me, it's tick, tick, tick. And um, unless anything changes, um, bring it on. Bring the rest of it on. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. A big, big highlight for me the last couple of weeks. Once again, we've got to be careful how we loudly we say this because he, he's short of admirers on Twitter, which seems to be a bad place after a loss. Harry Mackay played really well. Yep. And if, if you're sitting there thinking, watching Harry Mackay's game today and just taking the glass half empty, taking the positive, uh, sorry, the negatives out of it. Why do you even watch football? I, I don't yeah. understand it. He presented really well. And guess what, Tim? He was knackered at the end. Well, so was Charlie Dixon, who was almost yeah. helped from the field. 
So what we need to think with Harry is he had a really rough start to the year, since the restart at least. He's kicked three and three the last couple of weeks. He's been dangerous in the air. He's had good pressure on the ground. I thought he was a little bit unlucky from time to time today with some interpretations of a hold and a front on contact. And you kind of go, geez, they could just as easily go the other way and he's kicked three, but he could have ended up with more. Um, how did you see Harry's game? No, I want to preempt something here, Timbo, and say you didn't give him any votes again, which was... I was starting to get a little bit excited and thought it might be uh, time for the big fella to be able to step up. But uh, I, I just managed to be able to find a few other people that, um, you know, I... I, you know, leap towards instead. But um, yeah, I think more than four touches, Timbo doesn't. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Zoolander. Um, he probably played, Fabian, he played too well to get votes. Yeah. He contributed too but, meaningfully. But I think the point that you are making or at least trying to make is is modern day football or at least COVID era football, they're low scoring games. Yeah. You know, you, you, can, you can put pressure on for longer and have a greater level of impact and limit the ability for oppositions to be able to score in the style of football we're playing at the moment. So goals are bloody important. So when you've got a big key forward that's kicked three, anytime you've got any forward that kicks three, it gives your team one hell of a chance of being involved and competitive throughout a game. And um, and, and he did it in a mixture of ways. He, he had his lead out. He took a couple of good marks. He, he had a sensational... He atoned um, for the miss against the Bulldogs. Say that again? He atoned for that miss against the Bulldogs last that's year. That's exactly right. ran yeah. in. Yeah, that's it. You know, mind you, he, when he did that one, he ran 100 metres. I think what he, he might have gone 60 today, but still it was... You know what the funny was, thing about that goal is, though, Tim? So Dad and I, I don't think it was the Victoria Park game in the VFL you were at, Fabian. I think it was earlier than that. Would have been, surely. In one of the first games I ever saw Harry Mackay play, we were playing Collingwood in the VFL at Vic Park, and he did a very, very similar bit of play. And it's funny because I've seen him do that bit of play now three times. The first time against Collingwood in the VFL, ran in, everyone's getting excited. Pretty sure he missed everything. I don't think he scored. <laughs> Hit the belly of the ball, kicked it into the Abbotsford. Second time against the Bulldogs, takes off, misses. And then now, that's a story of growth. That's the caterpillar becoming the butterfly. Runs in, yeah. well, buries I, it. Honestly, in the way that there was a guy that was free in the goal square and his opponent was trying to come out. And, I, and the whole time I thought, Harry will create this goal, but he definitely won't kick it. And Let's in the it. end, just the way that it played out, obviously the guy on the ground's gone, no, 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 I'm not going to let you handle the guy in the goal square. It's not going to be a Joe the Goose. I'm going to make you kick it. And, and Harry's been able to go, yep, okay, and I will. Because those ones, you know, we can overthink it. I mean, Murph did it last week where he yeah. was given too much time to be able to think about it and sometimes you just need to be instinctive. Um, I, th- I think there was, was a... good to see Harry, as you say, he's building, he's growing, you know, he's turning into that butterfly that we want him to be um, and every week's a step forward. And and, and from a, a pre-season that was the slow starter, as you say, he was always going to gather later. Um, if he's staying to show that sort of footy now, I reckon our last 10 games should be... He, he should really put together some good footy, I would have thought. How's the, uh, how's the, the research done by the, uh, the commentary team who have no idea that Harry McCullough is one of the most athletic forwards going around in the AFL? Oh. And here they are, oh, mimicking Harry... Uh, Harry Madden, oh, look how he did it, mate. <laughs> Harry Madden couldn't move. <laughs> the bloke's a fucking athlete. Yeah. Pay some respect. Yeah, yeah, they got no idea. You're right. It was um, 
I think it was it was interesting for me watching the game too. Where I thought you miss you miss a good fully fit in informed Charlie Kernow no matter what. But seeing the way that Harry and, and Gov were sort of moving around, I just thought, and given the chatter that Charlie endured this week, and Adam Cooney spoke about having a similar injury and. Cooney's obviously Mr. Mr. Optimistic, Mr. Positive all the time. Um, he spoke about how you know he was never the same again, and oh, you know Charlie might never be the same again, whatever. I thought I, I would almost just when he's back, when he's out there again, I'll just play him inside thirty. And just, just his athleticism is very much his strength. So we're talking about Charlie it, here, by the way. No, I get it, but I, I'm thinking, I'm still thinking he needs he needs space because he can get up and back. Um, but I do hear what you're saying because, as you say, I guess it depends on what did Cooney lose? Did Cooney lose the turn of pace and the acceleration? Did he – because he didn't – he wouldn't have lost endurance, um, and that's what Kerno's got in spade. He's, he's got he's got the, the balance of both power and endurance. So if he plays a game style that he's only reliant on endurance for a while and it means he gets up, up and down the ground, that's fine. But if he's lost – acceleration, well, the style of footballer that he is, he, he was never really purely reliant on that. What he is is a magnificent kick of a footy. So if he's getting it anywhere within 50, he's always a shot. So um, He's got to, he's got to do a Richo and Nick Rewalt and up and back. utilise his strengths and just keep going up and yeah. back. And at the start... But if he can't he might, move, he might, he that's the thing. Quarters one and two, but quarters three and four... Yeah, if he can't move, that's the problem. That's why we want him closer to goal. Anyway, yeah. the other positive for me out of the game... Um, Jacob Wiedering, I mean, he's had a super, super year. And today he was um, impassable. There was some chatter with, with the chicken shits that he potentially could have gone on to a Charlie Dixon. But um, I don't necessarily think that was well, a move that we, that, didn't that we needed to make. But uh, Wiedering as that option to set up, as that option to mark, and he took some spectacular marks to keep Port at bay, organise the back six as he did. He is... He is becoming not a guy that's showing us glimpses, but a guy that is each and every week playing consistently yeah. excellent football. He's, he's a ready-made star. He's, he's a bona fide yeah. elite key position defender. And Full stop. David, David Teague answered that question about potentially moving him on to Dixon. I think he was giving us offensively yeah. more. So yeah. you, know, you don't want to rob, rob Peter to pay Paul. So I think Teague answered that question at the halftime break, but He's got to be centre-half back at All-Australia, surely. Darcy Moore played well on Friday night, and people will still talk him up. Jeremy, Jeremy McGovern hasn't been playing, um, and Michael Hurley plays more full-back, which, so I think he's more in competition with Harris Andrews. Um, but right now, look, we are biased, but to me, clearly, he is he's the centre-half back. And yeah. if he keeps doing what he's doing... It, the only thing that'll stop him from getting it is often that all Australian panel kind of almost morph two seasons of performance, and you've got to do it with a bit of consistency before you get the recognition. Um, so if that sees him miss out, it, while it'd be disappointing, actually McGovern is playing this game. He just took the toss and is walking back to the 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 group in the derby. Um, but um, but yeah, if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's going to be phenomenally unlucky to miss. He hasn't been outmarked. He At doesn't all. get outmarked. The only time he got outmarked is when Cripper. Well, he didn't get outmarked. Cripper spoiled him. For us and spoiled him. Yeah. Um, but no, look, yeah, we, and as we, you say, if Cripps is going to do that, he's got to punch it 30 metres, not just try and tap it, or just flat out take the mark. And 
they're yeah. those fine margins or, or not fly that we spoke of earlier. He's trying to do the right thing. We understand that, but obviously costs us a goal. But look, Weedering playing exceptional football and was absolutely magnificent today. Another guy who was I thought outstanding today and and really pleasing for him to do it against this opposition for all the wrong reasons. To be brutally honest, the reasons that don't matter. Sam Walsh. I mean, if anything typifies the argument of why we took him at one and why did you know he's not even the best five players in the draft and blah, 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 blah. His mark back with the flight, that is clubhouse leader for mark of the year. Well, the good thing is our sport does recognise that sort of bravery and uh, um, mind you, didn't kind of work out so great for Kyron Hayden last night playing for North, but... um, we do like to lord players that are prepared to put their body on the line. And, you know, when you're built the way that Sam Walsh is, you know, you go and put yourself in those sorts of situations. It can sometimes not quite turn out so well. Um, but that was exceptional. And I, and I think Charlie Dixon was interviewed at the end of the game. And I don't know if you guys were still yeah, tuned in it, yeah. or a bit cheesed off. but I was he, cheesed he, off, he but I was tuning said, in. He said, I pride myself on smashing and splitting packs. And he said, I came through like a train. He said, he said, I couldn't believe that that little fellow <laughs> was there with the ball in his hands. And, and he said, he's just, he's a star. And and you sit there and you're going, I know we get a little bit, you know, out of kilter when sort of Kane has a bit of a crack at him and says he's not that good. Um, and, and again, he says those things to be able to upset us and I get it. But when you got somebody from the opposition side and it's the players that get it, and they're the ones that pull apart tape and go, these are the guys we need to be careful of. Um, when they're saying Sam Walsh is the real deal, well, you're going, okay, you're franking everything that we've always known, so I good think, to hear. I think what we saw, Fabian, was, and, and I've got no doubt, I love watching, you know, in the brief stuff we've seen of him, Isaac Rankin, super talent. The, oh, ki- yeah. the, the King oh, boys, yeah. super talents. Bailey Smith, fantastic young player. You know, Connor Rosie, fantastic young player. Um I think that a lot of those guys are, and every club would be happy with who they've got, but a lot of those guys I think are three out of 10s or nine out of 10s. You'll get an absolutely magnificent display that might just win you the match or you'll get very little from them. They're going to struggle to impact the game. I I think that what Sam Walsh showed today is that work rate, that courage, that heart, what that adds up to is a consistency that a lot of his peers don't have. Yeah, yeah. As you say, the, everyone seems to like the match winner or the X factor and these sorts of things. And you're going, yeah, look, when the game's on the line, you know, what Robbie Gray did today, maybe that's X factor. Maybe that's, you know, players that understand when games are on the line and, and able to really fashion something at that point. You're going, that's that's important. But if you've had it 25 times and used it so very, very well, you put you're, you're every chance to have put the game beyond doubt because of that consistency of and quality of effort. Um, and, and I think, as you say, the leadership and the courage that was shown there, that's an element that is, is, you know, we've been desperate to have for a decade to now have that out of him and to have that out of Jacob Wiedering as well. Um, you know, that, that's, that, that character is what we're really wanting to be seen in our players. And to be able to have it, you sit there and you're going, we're not questioning who we took a pick one for any, any moment at all. There is just no concern whatsoever. 
the other guy, I think, uh, you know, these two boys, sorry, have been building over the last couple of weeks and, and been contributing, playing really good football. Solid displays again from Will Setterfield and Michael Gibbons that I think they deserve a shout-out in the chicken salads. Um, yep. If only because of the consistency of their form of late. Uh, and both of them are, are certainly... You know, looking like players who that we, we can rely on, not in the short term as plasters, but medium to long term. Do you have anything to add with that one, Fabian? Absolutely. Um, I'll, go Gibbo. I'll go Gibbo some votes. I just Much to the chagrin of friend of the podcast, Will Peters. Well, Will Peters has gone me for uh, for giving some votes. To, I think he's, you know, he's gone me more for not including my sister-in-law in the votes as opposed to putting Michael Gibbons in. But he's just... He's a, he's, He's more than a flashy contributor. He's a solid contributor for four quarters, Michael Gibbons. He's kind of in everything. He's our midfield forward, if that makes any sense. Like when the ball's forward and you need to lock it in and you need someone who's got that midfield now, he's providing that as opposed to playing that forward forward, if I'm making any sense. Like under no, Bolts, where he was, he, was a, he was a forward target. And that's not him. The only thing with, with Gibbo, sometimes he's got a, you know, a distance of about 25 metres in him. Um, kicking wise, but um, yeah, a, a, another solid contribution. And Will Setterfield, he looks comfortable in that, like in the guts. I always thought Will Setterfield outside, I get him the ball, let him do his stuff. He's been in the thick of it for the past fortnight and looks sensational. I didn't check the stats at the end of the game, but reading through Twitter, I read somebody say that Setterfield had 10 tackles as well. So you sit there and you're going, that's. They're good numbers. I mean, you know, it, every single stat tells a story within itself. But um, yeah, for someone that was branded softish, softish outsider, yeah, that type of footballer. I think but when you're getting involved like that, it's it's important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, and, and lastly, just on the chicken salads, um, a guy that's not—he's not got criticism. That's that's not what he's gotten. But there's been a little bit of chatter in the last couple of weeks about the skipper Paddy Cripps and. I think it just shows how high the expectation is of a guy who has carried us almost on his own for the last two years that he still had an equal or game high, I think it is an equal game high, 21 touches had a uh, game high, 11 contested possessions. Look, he just battled and battled and battled and grew in influence as the game wore on. And in the end, looked like he might be, you know, a guy to contribute really meaningfully in the last quarter in a game that we could hold on and win. Um, so a shout-out to him just on the basis that he's been in the wars the last couple of weeks. He has been a little bit down against his own very, very high standards. But uh, I thought that today he really battled it out for us and, and nearly was the guy that could sort of drag us over the line. So um, chicken salad shout-out to Paddy Cripps. The chicken shits. I think there's really only one place to start. And that is just the execution at the death. There was just a few things that once we sit in and watch the review, the old adage, you learn more from a loss than you do a win. Um, Cunners kick for goal. You sit there and you go, geez, mate, you know, it is floating through. But at the same time, you were only sort of 40-odd metres out. You go, fuck, if you kick the goal, we win the game, it's over. Weeders had the turnover. He had an excellent game, but he had the turnover kicking out of defence, which was hard. You know, Mickey Gibbons, again, you had a good game kicks down the line rather than tries to maintain possession or look for an option to hold on to the ball. Um, we just needed one stop. You sit there and go, one stop wins us the game, whether it's a stoppage, a 50-50 forced into a ball up, you know, something forced over the boundary line, a mark. We needed one moment and a couple yeah. of those opportunities. Yeah. 
You're spot on, Sean. And I said this to Tim before, and I want to just chip in before you guys steal my thunder. It's everyone's going to. There's, there's three or four instances in that last two minutes of play, but Kibo's got the ball, and I've, I've rewatched it a couple of times. And we're not at the ground, and we don't have the behind the goals footage, but I don't see anybody spreading for him either mm. on the, you know, sideways or at the back. That's looks, the criticism. He looks, and then he yep. goes, well, his option is now kick it to a contest. We had Harry, Gov, and um, and Levi all in that contest. And probably Pitnet as well. The kick was long enough. The yep. kick was high enough. We either should mark it or put it out. I don't want to hear criticism of Michael Gibbons. I think he's assessed it and gone, I'm going up the line to my key position players. We should have either taken that out or taken the mark. No, and, and I agree with you. Adelaide so easily yep. took possession and brought it back. You know who? You know, it's funny, and I agree with you. You know, you know who we miss in a in a exact situation like that. Matty Cruiser. Yeah, Matty Cruiser it's like, just it's like he would not wouldn't allow punch. the big he'd punch. punch it, he'd punch it ten rows into the ground. He'd just punch he'd it out of bounds. He'd make yeah. sure it comes to ground, and just he's he would his yeah. ability to lock the game up late. Um, he's a guy that we miss. I thought Pido probably had his worst game since coming into the team, and he's entitled to a down game. I thought Laddams yeah, yeah. battled really, really well and, and got the points over him. But this was an occasion where, um, you know, against Geelong, we hung on against Essendon, we hung on. But I think Matty Cruiser, in, in a really tight contest like that, and particularly against a younger Ruckman, with set out, would have been the difference. You know, well, the Crips, the Crips and Weedering spoiling each other yeah. is the perfect cruiser instance. Cruiser Bang. just comes over the top, boom, it's a behind. And then just started, struts started back to his that. next position like he does at that one sort of metronomic pace, just yeah, puts yeah. the ball in the crowd and runs off. Matty Cruiser, I reckon, oh, no one would have this stat. I reckon Matty Cruiser concedes more <laughs> rush behinds than any other player in the AFL. He just, But it's a great no stat. But it's an outstanding stat where he just makes sure it spoils it, makes sure it's over, minimum yep. of fuss. Um, so, look, I, I think that all of those things, Timbo, uh, are frustrating as a collective. And there were a couple of moments too when Port sort of got on top of us in the second quarter, it would have been, where uh, I'm not sure who ended up kicking the goal, but you thought we almost need to concede a goal as punishment to switch back on. Because yeah. we had the moment where kicking out, I don't know who it was, but the kick didn't quite hit the target. Then they kick out wide, two guys spoil each other, the ball hits the deck, Nunes can't affect the tap onto Simpson. And you're going, there's four or five errors there that we deserve to concede a goal. Yep. And, and I think that was the amazing thing out of the whole the whole game is the, the period that we went through where we just were unclean and just couldn't affect the game enough. We didn't get hurt, whereas traditionally, you know, not only did we get hurt, but we'd get dead set slaughtered at that point. So, um, you know, we, as bad as we were and the fact that they did still kick, you know, a couple of goals when it counted, we, we should have been out of the game at that point. So the fact that we weren't was great. But, you know, again, when you don't play four quarters, you don't always, you can't always expect to win. And and, um, and I think that's that's part of the breakdown of the game and, and and the the learning and evolution that comes out of it. Yeah, it's the maturing, isn't it? Like that second quarter, particularly, it was like the big prize fight where the sort of underdogs had the plucky first round or two, and you're sitting there thinking maybe they've actually taken a round off this guy. Like, geez. And yeah. then 
the big the champion sort of comes out and starts throwing their weight around and the challenger gets a bit groggy and they're leaning on the ropes and you're sitting there going, it's just a matter of time. But we hung in for, for all the negatives, for all the, you know, standing in the corner, hands up in front of the face. We hung in the contest. We didn't get knocked down. We didn't get knocked out. So as disappointing as some of those efforts or, or elements of the game were, the positive is it wasn't over. Um, so, yeah, look, ultimately, just wrapping it up from a review point of view, be disappointed in the result because we absolutely could have won the match. But but let's not let's not put the cart before the horse in the sense that this is going to cost us finals or this is going to be the end. No, it's let's just take the positives as they are from the result, work on the negatives, work on the things that we can improve and need to improve, but assess it in the cold, hard light of day. And we hope that people who listen to this, if you listen on the Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, if you are disappointed about the results, we've had a couple of days to sort of cool off and, and hopefully you can see the performance for what it is and that's a step in the right direction. You can be proud of the good things that we've done and the quality of football that we played and I think that's what you've got to remember. Absolutely. And you can still and then... You can still be shit. Yeah, and you can still and be can disappointed still be with the loss. I mean, we need to be a ruthless football team that when we get our opportunities, we have to take them and don't, don't, don't be satisfied with getting close. You know, we need to be better than that. Matt Tabernow has just vomited all over himself for the goal. He's taken a mark in the goal square and fucked it up. Oh, God, I love that. Um, and then, obviously, next week, it's a big game. Timbo touched on it earlier. We've got Tim's full concentration. Yeah, Tim, yeah he's with us. All in solely. Next week's a big game, not just because of the opportunity. You know, North aren't playing great footy, but what North have been to us in the last couple of years is that they have doled out some embarrassing losses. They've embarrassed us big time. Badly. And just with work They've shown rate. us up for everything that we are as a young, inconsistent team. Yeah. And we, we, we've gotten ahead of ourselves a couple of times and they have smacked us around. We've been their bitches. That's, that's all it comes back to. They have they, ended games in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. They've absolutely handed our asses to us. So and this, for me, this... We, we, we've got a... It's a must-win game. I don't care if we win it by a point, but, geez, I'd like to thump them as well. But we just got to get a hold of this side because they don't respect us. We've said it for a very long time. There's a lot of sides that don't respect us. They, more than anybody, think that we are no good and we've got to, we've got to teach them a lesson. But at the same time, weekend. Tim, we, we don't need to get, hopefully, internally too wrapped up in the, the, the broader narrative about what North have done to, done to us and, and, and righting a wrong and et cetera. But at the same time, it is actually a good litmus test off a, off a disappointing result in the sense that we lose to a kick after the siren. So we're, you know, as you said, at the, at the siren, we're, what are we? We're four and three at the siren. You're going, oh, unbelievable. And no, you're actually three and four. Three and four. Um, <laughs> 15 seconds later. But I think that they're a really good team to come up against because, look, they're not playing good footy. They are in a bit of a shambles at the moment. They are struggling for personnel. I think we don't know what Cunnington's situation is, but it looked like Zeeble did a hamstring again last night. Yeah. Ben Brown's woefully out of form. So you sit there and go, in the last two to three years, just like today's game would have been over at halftime, in the last two to three years, these games where you go, geez, you know, we, we should be, we should really fancy ourselves against this opposition given all things. We just haven't turned up. A little bit like Melbourne earlier this season, we let that game get away from us and gave ourselves too much to do. A little bit like St Kilda, prime time, big game, both teams playing good footy. Jeez, this should be a good contest. We let that get away from ourselves early and gave ourselves too much to do. So this is a bit of a mental test more than anything to go into a game 
probably the favourite. I think most people will will have us shading this one. And to execute, you know, Fabian, it's a, it's a big test for us to, you know, to get out there and get the job done and get the W that we ought to get. Absolutely important. I think, I think it's important for the mindset of the players to, like, if we can do what we set out to do, it's just a, it's a, it's another tick in the box. This season needs to be about milestones, hitting certain milestones, embracing pressure in, and executing. When we're expected to deliver a result, go out there and deliver it. Not deliver it after a shit start or get a scare or do something. Go out there and professionally take care of a side. Clinical, Big clinical. They're that team we, we spoke about a couple of weeks ago that sometimes with us at the moment at least, it feels like that mindset is so important to switching on and we're not sure that we are capable of delivering a performance until we kind of start to deliver the performance a bit like we did against Geelong. And he kind of looked around and thought, the boys are really enjoying this because everything they prepared to do is is working and they're getting reward and they're, they're getting uh, the reward for their good start. And they're thinking, geez, we're actually playing some good footy. And the Bulldogs was the same. Today when we rallied back the same. Until we actually do it, there seems to be a bit of doubt whether we can do it. Yeah. So turning up and, and beating a side who are in a bit of a, a sad state at the moment, um, you know, is, is an absolute must. We need to be four and four at the conclusion of next Saturday. Um, but before we close out the episode, a new thing that we've kind of added to the rundown is just a bit of a chat about next week's opponent and some classic wins or favourite victories against them. I'm going to talk about Ange Christ who's running goal in the 95 prelim so Fabian doesn't have to. Take that off me. Because that's the only goal that he talks about. It's like that Legends lunch. He brings up the Legends lunch and Ange Christ who's running goal against North. Like, you'll be sitting there, you'll be talking about something else. You'll be talking about COVID, you'll be talking about nuclear disarmament and somehow Fabian will start chatting about the Legends lunch and Ange Christ who's goal in the 95 prelim. So, Fabian... I'm giving you, sure. I'm giving sure you, great days. I'm giving you 30 seconds for you to wax yep. about Ange Christou's goal in the prelim. Tell us about yes. how you turned to your mate and said, Ange, Ange. No, 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 no. I, I, I didn't, I'm not taking credit for it. It's my <laughs> mate who, get, you know, when you're looking at the play, and you, you just, he puts out the right arm and he slaps me across the chest and says, Ric Flair style. Ange, Ange. That's all he kept saying, Ange. And then everyone just went, oh, shit. Andrew's made a move. So Andrew sta- Andrew started like on the back fifty, and then he moved. He passed the centre, right? I'll, but I'll exaggerate it. He was in the, in the back fifty. Harry's kick comes out. Andrew just swoops on it, and in the in the moment we had total domination. If you can go back watch that prelim, the first quarter is amazing. The crowd woofs that in. Like he actually doesn't. Andrew Christie wise, he's got a fifty metre leg on him easily. Wet ball, we heavy ball. In. And it just sticks on the line, ass out, shepherds it through. It is amazing. And I've spoken about this goal for years. Yep. For and 25 Carlton, years. Carlton media team have finally figured out how to get this footage and put it on, uh, get it digitally online. And it's used once a year now, which much to my uh, happiness, I get to see quite often. Did Sticks do the, as he shepherded the ball through and the ball goes through, one of my favourite Sticks-isms is where he just does the really, like, nonchalant either fist bump or clap. Yeah. 
He sort yeah. of does I'm the. Not, I'm, I'm not going to run 50 meters and give him a tap on the ass. Yeah, he does he, really he, like. He, he, it's genuinely appreciative, and he's genuinely happy for his teammates' achievement and what they've done. But it's the really kind of like, and not like disrespectful all in a day's work clap. It's really oh, that's what oh, this sticks. Such an understated yeah. champion, and that's just. It's part of him. Now, you boys would have seen this. I'm going to indulge one second. You boys would have seen this because I know where your seats are at Etihad. But we're playing North on a Friday night. I'm saying in between 2010 and 2012. Chris Yaron does a I've, – I've since got the footage. It doesn't – the telecast doesn't do it justice. Chris Yaron does a running torpedo along the, the Etihad members' wing. And I just my jaw dropped. It took it took me two quarters just to just to close it. It was yes. amazing. We love amazing. Yaz. Love Yaz. Love Shout Yaz. out to Yaz. One of mine, and you guys will remember this as well. I reckon it was two thousand and eleven, and we played North at it. Eddie had as well, and it was a game we. I, I don't know. I don't think we were a very strong side at that moment either. But or, or rather, I think North was, and. It was one of those games, the, we, we were in front, the game was in the throws at the very beginning, uh, just straight after three-quarter time. Oh, I think I know where you're going. And there was a bit of play where Nick Digan had to put his body on the line with Drew Petrie on the charge out of the forward line. He's back back into him and was a one of the very courageous marks you see. Uh, and at that point, you go... We ain't losing this game. I was so, literally uh, just going to say, as a moment, I'm not sure what the time was in terms of how long there was to play, but as a moment, it just it was one of those in retrospect where you thought, that's the game. Yep. Digan goes back with the flight. Petrie's coming through. Petrie has every right to send him to an early grave. And <laughs> Digan, unbelievable. And had that in his armory too. <laughs> Absolutely. He's sharpened his knees. And uh, Dykes went back with the flight. He was <laughs> he was pretty banged up because I reckon he gave the hands to a you know a, a Simpson or a Scotland running past because he was pretty banged up. Um, but no, that was absolutely outstanding. A similar, uh, extraordinary, very courageous effort. Darren Hume, I think it would have been two thousand and one ish. We played the Kangaroos at the MCG, and Darren Hume. Uh, I reckon the Kangaroos started the game brilliantly, and we slowly, slowly reined them in. Slowly reined them in. And uh, Darren Hume, I think it might have been the second quarter, uh, outpointed a couple of kangaroos out on the wing, uh, the southern stand side of the ground, in a really vital, really pivotal one-on-one, which ended up in a goal and sort of turned the tide our way. That was an unbelievable moment. Probably the best performance of my lifetime against the kangaroos, collectively and individually, Cooter, 2000, Princess Park. um, Kicked five at 30-odd. Unbelievable performance. Um, yeah, absolutely. And one of the great games, actually. It's, it is available on YouTube. Uh, I think it's Blues Forever um, has uploaded. It does a lot of outstanding work on YouTube, and that's that's there for you to watch and see. And just a great team. You know, Aaron Hamill kicks a phenomenal goal in the first quarter off one step from 50. Matty Lappin does the torp where they all fly, they all fly by him in the middle of the ground. Slam on the brakes, Fabian. They'll fly right by. Absolutely. <laughs> um that game, eleven games prior, we lose a grand final to them, and we are, we 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 blow past them. It's it was bizarre. It's bizarre. So, they were comfortably the better team on grand final day, and for most of that season. And then the next time we play them, it's a five goal win. Admittedly, um, inspired by one of the great individual sort of purple patch performances in modern footy history in Cuda, but just an outstanding team performance led by. 
Campo, Macca, Rats, Adrian Hickmott, you know, as I said, Cuda, all those guys. Sauce, obviously, down there. Just phenomenal. But, yeah, like I said, obviously, Sticks Arts of the Siren 1987 was a big one as gonna, well. I was going to add that one. That, that's probably an iconic one that they do love playing in the famous last quarters and famous matchups on Foxtel. So, yeah, you know, uh, no reserved um, response from Sticks after that one. He was unusually and understandably very animated. No shaking hands, you know, little pats on the butt. Sticks was. It was about 16 deep. <laughs> uh, but that, that's a great win. And I think, um, just trying to think of any other ones that have come to mind. We had a really good win when we were a terrible, terrible team, 2002, 2003. Fev had a big night on Glen Archer at uh, at uh, then Telstra Dome, I reckon it would have been called. And it was sort of one of our only wins for a really bad year. Um, Fev might have kicked seven or eight and just had an outstanding night. Um, yeah. They're sort of the they're kind of the main ones that I can remember from that era because as Tim sort of alluded to for a period, um, their North were a pretty competitive team whilst we were very ordinary in, in the mm. recent past. But no, look, a huge game for us coming up this Saturday, one oh five, I believe it is. So early start, which is good. We love the early starts. The Digby Morrell Cup is that Sunday. I think it's Saturday. I could be completely wrong. Saturday. No, I'm not sure. Uh, it's not important. It's one of the two days. Uh, but yes, that's obviously wraps us up for today. Oh, actually, no, sorry. We've got to backtrack one second and just do the votes um, for the game. So what's the leaderboard leading into this round, Sure. So the leaderboard at the moment, bear with me, I had that up and for whatever reason it doesn't want to open properly. We do have a new leader out of last week's matches. Jack Martin has jumped to 27 votes to uh, to the lead. Um Paddy Cripps and Levi Casbolt are on 20 votes. We've got Jacob Weedering on 17. So he's actually hauled, um, hauled in a few votes tonight, which will probably put him into outright second. Uh, David Cunningham, I was going to say um, Fraser Phillips. Is that his name? I was going to say he hasn't fucking played a game. So <laughs> he had nine votes. No, Michael Gibbons. And uh, Will Setterfield have each got nine votes. And then we've, we've got a couple guys. I think it's uh, Doherty's on eight. He's been desperately shortchanged by this voting system. Um, should have plenty more than that, but unfortunately that's the way it goes. So Jack Martin on 27. Cripps and Casbolt are on 20. We've got Jacob Weedering on 17. Uh, Gibbons, Setterfield and Cunningham on nine. Doherty on eight. And then a couple of others on sort of on three. I think it's Mitch McGovern's on three. Mark Murphy's got three. And Eddie Betts has got three as well. So, just looking at the room, it seems that Weeders and, and Gibbo are going to add to that tally. Yes, um, well, most fans are leaning that way, at least based so, um, on what. And Walshy will, will obviously start to poll. Yeah, based on what we've got, we should see. <laughs> no thanks to you. Yeah, well, no thanks to you. Completely <laughs> fuck him. Short changing. <laughs> so Weedering just on our votes alone adds eight, and he's polling very well from the fans' vote, which is ongoing. So he he actually could potentially move to a share of the lead, um, which would my, be just desserts. My sister, just quickly on Sam Walsh, my sister-in-law was at work. You know, my sister-in-law lives in Toronto and her boss said to her, he goes, did you know you were trending on Twitter? <laughs> she goes, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, she goes, he goes, I opened Twitter. He goes, and it says trending. So he goes, he goes your name's trending. And he goes, that obviously had no idea. She goes, yeah, I think there's a... She says, I think. 
him and I've told her a million times because I think there's a bloke who plays for Carlton who's uh at war with a 38 year old former fireman. <laughs> is, no, he's not a. Is he a former fireman? Is he actually? Is he actually got credentials? Or was he trying to be a fireman? I think he was trying to be a fireman and then it didn't work out and then he realised, no, oh, there's shitloads more money in this media gig I've managed to secure. I, I actually think, I think, I don't know if he got inducted or not, but I think he um, he he did all the courses. I think he got all of the um, credentials and then right at that moment he had the sliding doors moment of, yeah, I, I can join the media. So they never got um, to turn the hose on in action, Timber? Evidently not, no, no. No. Shout out to all our fires. It'd be a really, really hard job. Oh, absolutely. What they're That's asked terrible. to do when they have to fight a fire is uh, it's massive. Well, I think that wraps us up for this week. It was a heartbreaker, yeah. but I feel better for the chat. And I hope uh, yeah. anyone who was feeling it. Bit... But imagine the mood. Imagine what we could have been talking about if we'd gotten up with the win. Oh. Mate, if we would have won, I would have backed up last night's performance with another one tonight. It was sort do, you of want to, do you want to tell us what that means, Fabian? No, you don't need to know. But, uh, do you want me to publish it's... some texts I received last night? No, last night was a good night. Um, I think you should be, in the interest of transparency with our listeners, I think you should be open and honest. No need for it. Do you want me Kelly to be walking with a limp issue? <laughs> Fabian would have. Fabian and Cal would have moved from uh, man on man to zone defense. <laughs> Happy with the man on man approach at the moment. Actually, we have to go zone on Alexander. He's just he's a nightmare. But um, I reckon Cal wants a girl. I reckon Cal could go for a girl. If it worked that way, Sean, we could choose. <laughs> I'm sure we'd. Uh, I'm sure we go back to the well, but you can't, so we're happy. <laughs> you're Well, you're happy, but I don't know. So for, <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure to have your ears for this little while. Um, we'll obviously be Are back. Are you going to give us an outro song this, this week, Sean? Well, none of us, we didn't talk about any songs last week. So we, we've, we've said this for the three years we've been recording, an 80s banger. There has to be context. Would lift, it'll lift the mood. There has to be context. I'm not just playing a song. I was actually going to give. There was a, you actually mentioned a Eurythmics reference last night. Last oh, night, just, oh, sorry, just before. Me? No, just before. Well, you talking about North Melbourne. You said something, and it was like it was a title to a Eurythmics song. Now it's, it's invaded me. They didn't make any songs saying North Melbourne should fold and move to Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember like that one. Annie Lennox's greatest uh, performance was that. Was that from her solo work? I might not have seen that. Uh, well, I think that wraps us up, gentlemen. So thank you very much, everyone, for listening in. We'll catch you all again next week when we do it all again. For me, Sean Peterbudge, it's been a pleasure to have you. For the big Faber Ganoush, Fabian Guadagnolo. Arrivederci, ragazzi. You murdered those hot dogs. It was <laughs> troubling to watch. It was, I think he's making a run at the 4th of July, Timbo. I think he's making a run at the Nathan's I Hot Dogs. Hey, lads, I know, Chestnut. <laughs> I've watched it. Kobayashi, he turned to shit, mate. He got into his head. I watched the doco. It's a weird he got watch. Into his head and then he was like turning up at events in protest and he's doing side events in little alleyways in New York. He, like, let it go, mate. He was eating, Just let it go. He was eating hot dogs from a crack rock. Uh, and of yeah. course, Dr. Davis, Tim Davis, he's updated his medical advice to wear a mask for God's sake. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Always a pleasure and uh, looking forward to seeing the new Ruthless Carlton from next week and beyond. I hear that. We'll see you next week. Take care, boys. Bye.
to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat me a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. Peaches come from a can. Never put them put them by Peaches. I'm moving to the country. I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country. I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country. I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country. I'm gonna eat a lot